What is up, Flagger Fowl Sports fans? I am your host, Chris, and today I have four topics for you. I have college football. I have the... Uh, so first off, we're doing football. Uh, this this will be my first ever football episode, so make sure you stay tuned if you like football for sure. So we got... And we still have a little basketball at the end, so if you don't like football as much, you can still stay. So first topic is going to be college football. I'm going to be giving predictions for top 25 week one. Then I'll have a little segment on the Eagles Gardner Minshew trade, the Patriots releasing uh, a, a separate little segment on the Patriots releasing Cam Newton, and then finally we're gonna finish it off with basketball again uh, on a topic I've already covered uh, a little bit, but not with the recent news of Rich Paul, and we're gonna talk about Rich Paul and Ben Simmons, and more focused on Tyrese Maxey than Ben Simmons with the 76ers. So, anyways. I'm going to go through the easiest games first. Uh, I'll go through the lower-ranked teams in the top 25 to start out predictions. Southern Utah at number 25, Arizona State. Arizona State is 45-point favorites. I could not see them not winning very handily. Uh, Weber State is at number 24, Utah. Utah is favored by 30.5 points. Utah should easily win that. The Citadel plays at Coastal Carolina, who is number 22. Now these are Thursday games. Coastal Carolina is favored by 35 points. I believe that Coastal Carolina will handily win that. And to finish off the Thursday slate, the biggest game of Thursday is number 4, Ohio State, plays at Minnesota. And I think, uh, first off, Ohio State is a 14-point favorite. I think Ohio State is going to win by a lot more than 14 points, though. Next up, we have a game that's on Friday, which is number 10, North Carolina, at unranked Virginia Tech. North Carolina is only favored by 5.5 points in the spread. I would take North Carolina for sure in a much bigger blowout than that. Moving on, we have number 2, Oklahoma, at Tulane. The, this game is not going to be played at Tulane, though. This game is going to be played at Oklahoma because of the hurricane in New Orleans that is keeping Tulane out of their stadium. So Oklahoma is, re- is favored by 31.5 points. Oklahoma will probably win by more than 31.5 points, in my opinion. Moving on, we have uh, probably the biggest... Ooh, not, I wouldn't say quite the biggest. Alabama at Miami was probably the biggest game of the weekend. Or, no, no, no. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Penn State at Wisconsin, one of the biggest games of the weekend. Number 19, Penn State, and number 12, Wisconsin. Penn State had a pitiful season last season, and I don't see how... I don't see how they win the game, to be honest, because I just... Penn State just has not shown that they can win big games in the past few years, especially in conference against teams like Ohio State and Wisconsin. So, especially since it's being played at Madison, Wisconsin. I'm going with Wisconsin. They have a five and a half points uh, spread for Wisconsin, favored. I would say that's probably about correct. Probably, I would say Wisconsin wins by a touchdown. Next up is Fre- unranked Fresno State at number eleven. Oregon. Oregon should win that handily. Over twenty point favorites. They should win by over twenty. Now here we are. So number one Alabama at number fourteen Miami. I think Alabama is going to come in ready to go, considering. Miami 
actually challenged them and wanted wanted to take the challenge of being Alabama's opening opponent. I think they roll. I think the Tide roll over Miami extremely easily by much more than 20 points, which it's crazy. The number one team, Alabama, is playing the 14th ranked team, and they're favored by 19 and a half. That's why I said 20. I think that they'll actually beat that spread. Moving on, we have Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 22 and a half point favorite. Cincinnati's number eight in this in the preliminary rankings. Cincinnati should win that handily. Now, number 17, Indiana at number 18, Iowa. This is very interesting, only because Indiana had not really had any history of being good until just last season. And Indiana still even kind of faltered off at the end of the year. So I'm going to have to just take Iowa. Iowa's been the more consistent team over the past, uh, the long stretch. Iowa's only favored by three points. I'd say that's about that's about right, just considering they were both... Indiana was probably better than I was better than Iowa last season, in my opinion. Moving on, we have Northern Iowa at Iowa State. Iowa State will win that extremely easily. Next up, number twenty-three, the University of Louisiana. So not Louisiana State, just the University of Louisiana, is ranked twenty-third at number twenty-one. Texas. Texas is an eight-point favorite. I am. I know Louisiana had a good season last year, but. I feel like there's just no possible way they even compete with Texas. So I'm going with Texas in that one. San Jose State at USC. Southern California, that is. Southern California should easily roll over San Jose State. Now here's the biggest game of the entire weekend, uh, in my opinion, easily. The Dukes-Mayo Classic. Number 5, Georgia. at Number 3, Clemson. I believe this game is being played... Yeah, Bank of America Stadium. So that's going to be played in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Panthers Stadium. So I'm going to have to go with Clemson because, again, just going off of consistency over the past few years, Clemson's been the more consistent team, and they've proven that they can win big games. They didn't win. They lost in their playoff game to Ohio State last year, which was their biggest game. But in general, Georgia just has not been able to pull through like Clemson has. Next, we have Florida Atlantic at number 13, Florida. Easily Florida, not even close. Next up, Kent State at number 6, Texas A&M. So fun fact, I am going to be at this game. Texas A&M is a 28.5 point favorite. I say Texas A&M easily rolls over them by 30 plus. After that, we have Montana at number 20, Washington. Washington should easily win that. Number 6, this is a more interesting game. Number 16, LSU at unranked UCLA. I think that LSU should still win, but UCLA definitely, I think, is going to put up a more of a fight than people expect, and maybe people are expecting them to put up a fight, considering LSU's only a three-point favorite. I think LSU is still the better team, though, in the end of the day, and they play better competition in general, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with LSU, but that would be my main upset alert if you are looking to bet on anything, uh, as an upset, that is. Then we have number nine, Notre Dame at Florida State. Florida State has just been so bad. And that that game is on Sunday, by the way. Sunday, September 5th. Florida State's just been so bad the past few years. I'd have to go with Notre Dame just based off of what I've seen. And that's that's all I got to say about the top 25 predictions. Let me know. I guess let, let us know. If you see this, if you're listening to this, please just check out the YouTube. It really helps out. You can comment on it if I get a lot of these games wrong. You can, you know, tell me how, how dumb I am or whatever you want. 
Or you can tell me, oh, I, you know, you got all the games right, which I probably, considering most of these games are easy picks because not a lot of the top 25 games teams are playing each other, I'd say most of these games should be correct. I'd say the only game that I'd really be even nervous about would maybe be Penn State at Wisconsin. Even then, I think Wisconsin will still win handily. And the other one would be, I would say two more. I would say Indiana at Iowa. I'm not super confident in Iowa, but I would have to just go with Iowa based off of what I've seen the past few years again in winning, being able to come out and win big games. And Georgia at Clemson, that game could go either way for sure, but I just once again have to go Clemson based off of what they've been able to do the past few years. So moving on, we got a new topic. This one is going to be a little bit shorter. So we have the Eagles recently traded for Jacksonville Jaguars backup quarterback, who was their starting quarterback, but is was going to be their backup because the Jaguars got Trevor Lawrence, and that is Gardner Minshew. So I have just a bit of a bit of a hot take here, which I don't think should be a hot take at all, but for some reason it's considered uh, to be like more of a hot take. So I think the Eagles should start Gardner Minshew. And I think this because Gardner Minshew has just much better statistics than Jalen Hurts does. So we can we can read off here real quick. In eight games last season, the 2020 season, Gardner Minshew completed 66% of eight games started. Sorry, he appeared in nine games. Now, he did go one in seven, but I think we have to give him a bit of a pass because he was on Jacksonville. So anyways, so last season, he completed 66% of his passes for 2,259 yards. So if you translate this to a, to a he starts 16 games, you're talking around 4,500 yards, right? And he has 16 touchdowns to 5 interceptions. That's a very, that's a very good rate. Not a very good ratio, just be, because the touchdowns are not a ton, but... You're talking, I mean, that's still a lot of touchdowns. He's on pace for 30 touchdowns and 10 picks if if he plays the whole season, if you translate that to 16 games. Which is not saying that he'd, he'd keep that up, but he, it's still very good. And then yards per attempt, 6.9 yards per attempt. So he's throwing, he's not throwing only short passes all the time. So I, I think that he's very underrated and you can just see that from those just those quick few stats uh now I more want to touch on Jalen Hurts than Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew I think his stats you know kind of go without saying when when you read them I think Jalen Hurts is just not very good I I really want to like Jalen Hurts because I liked him in college a lot I liked him at Alabama and Oklahoma but he's just he just was terrible last season if you you look at his games, so he played in 15 games, though he only started four because they did a bit of a weird offense with him at times. Now, some of his numbers will probably be slightly worse just because they did a weird offense where they would have him run up one or two plays in a game, which is not good for your rhythm. But anyway, so here are the stats that we do have. He completes 52, he completed 52% of his passes for 1,061 yards. His yards per attempt is 7.2, so it is slightly farther than Gardner Minshew. He's throwing slightly deeper passes, but barely. And six touchdowns to four interceptions is is bad. In four games, six touchdowns to four interceptions. 
in four games, he had one less interception than Gardner Minshew had in eight. And one one other thing is, besides the interceptions, Jalen Hurts had nine fumbles in 15 games last season, and he only started in four of them. He, so he had nine fumbles. That is pretty atrocious, considering how much he played last season. I mean, that is so much. You know, he's he's going to be likely, in my opinion, a very high turnover guy this season. And ho- hopefully having a couple better rec- having a better receiver like Devontae Smith, maybe that'll help him out. But I just don't I don't see how he's any better than Gardner Minshew. He's a much, much worse passer for sure. Though may I guess maybe his running might slightly make up for it. But Gardner Minshew, in my opinion, is far Far better if you want to win this season. So anyways, moving on from that, we have a quick little topic here again. So the Patriots decided to release Cam Newton this past week, a couple days ago now. Now, I had, I was very surprised reading that, only because I, I'm not, and I'm, I still am a little confused about this, because I don't understand why you would not want to keep Cam Newton if you're New England, even as just a backup quarterback, considering who, I believe they have Brian Hoyer as their backup quarterback now. I don't understand how that's some sort of upgrade, and it's not as if Cam Newton was on a one-year contract. It's not as if he's a huge commitment just to, to play for the one, just to play for the year, right? And I, I just don't understand. I felt as if they should have just started in week one and if he was playing bad, then they could just throw in Mac Jones into the fire. But Mac Jones is a decent... Mac Jones, I think, will be decent this year. But it's just that I think it's better if you can sit a rookie... Court, if you can sit a rookie quarterback just to protect him, I, I would, just in general. Because it's, it's just easier to learn, like, plays, see how the how the games move the field you know you can put him in in blowouts so he still even gets a couple reps in like a real game and once again you can always just start him if you want but I guess the Patriots were just not having Cam Newton anymore Um, I even saw the reporter ask Bill Belichick if it was because he did not have the vaccine which is pretty ridiculous in my opinion like if Tom Brady didn't have the vaccine I don't think that the Patriots would care, right? He clearly was just not playing up to standard. And that, that should not have had anything to do with it. Now, again, I'm just not sure where the releasing decision comes from, but I do think this says a little bit about Bill Belichick and just the Patriots staff in general that Tom Brady had essentially the same exact team on offense, offensively, that Cam Newton had... Tom Brady, the year before Cam Newton came last year, so two years ago, had essentially the same offense as Cam Newton last year. And Cam Newton is not a high-level starter anymore. But he's he's still not horrible in general. He seemed extremely horrible at times last year. But I don't think if you threw him onto a good team with a lot of talent right now that he would just be terrible which the Patriots did not have much offensive talent at all. But I think that it shows you 
it tells you something about that what Tom Brady really does, considering Tom Brady was on the Patriots and they were 12-4 and two years ago. Now, granted, their defense was a little better because they didn't have a couple people lost to COVID and injuries, but still a five-game difference. And then he joined, and the Patriots fall from 12 and four to seven and nine, and the Buccaneers, the team he joins, goes from seven and nine to 11 and five. So essentially a flip. Now, anyways, so I just think that this says kind of something about the Patriots staff is obviously amazing, and Tom Brady's career would not be nearly the same without the Patriots staff because they were the team that gave him the chance. No one else wanted to give him a chance. He was a sixth round draft pick. And no one was even ever going to look his way. Even the Patriots weren't. But they saw his work ethic and kept him as a backup. And once Drew Bledsoe got injured, he, he got to start and the rest is history, right? But the Patriots are the team that really gave him a chance. Tom Brady's not Tom Brady without the Patriots. And the Patriots aren't the Patriots without Tom Brady. I just think that's a quick point I wanted to make. Only because I think a lot of people like to hate on Tom Brady and say that his success is only because of teams that he's had around him because even the Buccaneers team last year was a talented team uh, an extremely talented team I, I think that last year he played probably worse than pretty much every other year that he ever played on the Patriots but the team was able to actually carry him a little more than than usual not to say that his Patriots teams were always bad it's just that if they needed to win with subpar talent then they did and that's just how it worked they could cut pretty much whoever they wanted and have whoever on the roster. And, you know, you can't have that with a guy like him. You got to have, or, or just, you know, a low-level quarterback. You got to have some sort of good talent, offensive weapons around him, which Cam Newton and Tom Brady did not have. So, anyways, that was just a quick point I wanted to make about Tom Brady. Again, I'm not saying that the Patriots would be nothing without Tom Brady. They were still a good team when Drew Bledsoe was starting. They just wouldn't be a dynasty. So anyways, one last thing that I wanted to talk about real quick is Rich Paul again. So Rich Paul, I touched on him with his Nerlens Noel lawsuit recently, and he came right back up in the news. So he wants, so Ben Simmons was requesting a trade, which was not surprising at all. But what is surprising is that Rich Paul is demanding that his other client, Tyrese Maxey, get traded along with Ben Simmons. Now, this makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't understand how a team like the 70... A, t a good team, a normally well-run organization like the 76ers, how they would ever allow an agent to tell them what they can do with their team. You know, even if they didn't want to trade Ben Simmons, they just wouldn't. They, they wouldn't. But it, it's clear that he doesn't really fit with them as far as the talent goes, so that it is smart to trade him. But Tyrese Maxey is an up-and-coming rookie who's actually someone that's good at scoring, which is what they really they really need. Ben Simmons has more of a defensive and passing impact and can't seem to just not really be able to score at all, even right next to the basket last season, in the, in the playoffs at least. So we have Tyrese Maxey, who's an up-and-coming player that Rich Paul is saying that he must be traded along with Ben Simmons just because he represents them both. So how does this make any sense at all? How can the how can the NBA allow this? This that makes absolutely no sense. How can a team like the 76ers let some agent 
tell them what they can and can't do with their team. This just dumbfounds me. It's extremely confusing to me how the 76ers would allow that. Or I, I am very interested to see if they give in to his requests. And it's the reports are saying that Tyrese Maxey would, you know, likely be a part. Why, why are the 76ers listening to Rich Paul? Again, they don't have to trade him. They, are, they don't have to trade either of those players. They're both under contract with the 76ers. The 76ers did not sign Rich Paul. They signed Tyrese Maxey and Ben Simmons, and they can do whatever they want with those players. So I don't understand how the NBA keeps letting Rich Paul specifically, but some other agents. I just want to focus on Rich Paul just because this is the new story about him. How can the NBA allow... The NBA is just such a weak foundation in the upper uh, executives of the league. How can... And this, once again, I, I like to say, this just tells you a player like LeBron, kind of right, you know, LeBron, basically, it seems like he runs the NBA at this point. Because he's, he's just getting whoever he wants you know, onto his team via his agent, like Anthony Davis, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who's now traded away, but, and the, you know, the list goes on, and he, he, his agent can tell one of the best teams in the East that they need to trade one of their key pieces, uh, besides Ben Simmons, along with Ben Simmons. So this makes absolutely no sense. I have no clue how the NBA could possibly allow this. In my opinion, the NBA should consider suspending Rich Paul from being allowed to represent players. This has to have some sort, of, some form of extreme punishment because an agent cannot be bullying teams into trading away key players. This is terrible for the league. This makes no sense. This is why the NBA has issues with... This is part of the reason... This is not just the reason... This is part of the reason why the NBA has issues with teams getting too good, teams being super teams, because they just let people like this do whatever they want, whenever they want, and no one ever does a thing about it. So they really need to do a thing about it, and my guess is they will not do a single thing, and the 76ers will fold. Hopefully, uh, which once again, I do not think will happen at all, is hope. hope my hope would be that the 76ers trade Ben Simmons without Tyrese Maxey in the deal. And then the NBA at least investigates Rich, Rich Paul. So that's going to be all for tonight. Uh, today, whenever you're listening, sorry. And that's all for me. So thank you very much for listening. Check out the YouTube channel again. It's the same exact name as the podcast, Flag or Foul Sports. And I will see you guys in about a week. Thank you.